0: I'm sitting here with my Juicero, enjoying a cribby... Um, Soylent for lunch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy... Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So it's Tomas, like an SH at the end, and the last name is Tunguz. So a little tough.
0: For the longest time, Tomas Tunguz's LinkedIn said... He was working on something new, but he never specified what. We now know what that something new is—a new venture firm.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a venture firm called Theory, and it we raised. Uh, we were really lucky. We raised about $230 dollars in order to raise an early uh, to invest in early stage software companies.
0: Two hundred thirty million dollars raised from limited partners or LPs is, of course, a lot of money even by Silicon Valley standards, especially when you consider at this point, Tomash is the first and only member of the firm. You were able to raise that uh, from investors even when you said, I'm going to go out on my
1: own. I was very lucky, yeah. So we were able to put together an institutional LP base, uh, predominantly U.S. investors, and uh, really proud of that, that LP base. So I feel very, very fortunate considering the macro. Now, you raised the fund before the world got crazy, right? I mean, before
0: Silicon Valley Bank and everything.
1: So the fund was closed. The documents were signed. Our first capital call, which is when we ask for money from our investors, uh, was supposed to be executed the week that SVB died. And so uh, actually the hardest part of the last three or four, maybe five to six weeks has been getting a bank account. It's really unusual. A lot of the big banks like JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley and Bank of America and Citi, we were refused (laughs) $230
0: 230 million dollars to deposit.
1: <laughs> we, are, we are an unappealing customer. For some reason, I can't figure out. So we're almost there. I finally figured out where to get a bank account. But that's been actually really hard. It's like surprisingly hard.
0: So the LPs at this point are are holding on to the money.
1: They're holding on to they're, the they're money. They're committed. Yeah, know, yeah. They're committed. In it's, tranches. And it's just about finding the right banking partner because with all the destabilization in banks. We want to make sure that our banking partner is solid
0: now you know, having never and I realize it's not the full two thirty right away, but having never deposited two hundred thirty million dollars in the bank uh who would have an issue with that i would I would have to think if you went up to i mean you don't go up to a teller, I understand yeah. that, but if I went up to a teller, you know she it would take the rest of the day off i mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it comes in pieces right, okay. so it yeah. doesn't okay. come at two thirty at once but uh I don't, I've been trying to understand. I mean, they have a lot of the major banks said we have um, assets under management minimum threshold. And they said it's one and a half to three billion for us to take your business. And I, I don't really, under, I mean, you would think the number of LPs, limited partners, investors in our fund, each one of those is a wire, you know, a wire. And then when we invest I'm, in companies, there's a wire and we need to. They say come companies. back to you when you have a, come back to us when you have a billion dollars. In AUM, yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's at a particular level of scale. I must look so small. I mean, we look at that number and we say two hundred thirty million dollars is a lot of money. But if you're J.P. Morgan, yeah, I don't know how many trillions of dollars you manage. I mean, I'm not even a basis point. of a And basis point. I assume, uh, and
0: I'll go back and re-record this if there turns out to be a, 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 a San Jose National Bank, <laughs> <laughs> but because I don't want to, I don't want to slander anybody. But I assume San Jose National Bank. For you is too small, my imaginary bank, uh, too small to trust to put that much money in. Well, it's so you have because surely they'd take it, uh, right? For
1: sure. They, so there are national banks, and then there are regional banks. Yeah. And what Silicon Valley Bank, the crisis that they catalyzed, yes. created a lot of questions around the counterparty risk of those regional banks. And so I'm sure there are many very healthy regional banks. The the ideal situation is to have a national level bank as your primary banking. Partner. You, don't, you don't want to put your money in a regional bank. Well,
0: I mean, it's I, fiscally. I, I get it. It's fiscally responsible.
1: I just I'm not in the business of evaluating a bank balance sheet. I don't think any of us expected to be in that business. No, right. And so, I just don't want to misunderstand what somebody's whether somebody's assets and liabilities are mismatched for whatever the construct is of their bank.
0: That was an extra. I what is what a strange answer. I you
1: said you you've got this solved or you're close, right? It's all very close. We should have account numbers <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> five five weeks later.
0: <laughs> um, when you do have an account and when you do start writing checks,
1: uh, presuming they give you checks, uh, you're gonna write big ones, right? Yeah. So it's somewhere between one to twenty five, and the way to think about it is, we really want to. So we're, we're entering a capital markets environment that's a lot different than the last 10 years. In yeah. the last 10 years, unabated bull market for 11 years, 12 years, which was the single longest bull market run in US history. And the next 10 years won't look like that. And who knows what they will look like, but I can assure you they won't look like that. So we were really wanted to be a financial partner that had a lot of uh, stability And so the idea is to invest either at the seed or the A and then continue to invest material amounts of money behind those companies.
0: Now, you know, uh, those are big seed
1: investments. I mean, seed investments used to be much smaller. They used to be. Yeah. Inflation happens quick. Uh, No, there's a lot more competition in the market. I mean, the US venture capital industry has grown from about eight to 320 billion in about 12 years. And so there's more money. uh, And that's a big driver of round sizes. And then the very competitive financings also tend to be larger.
0: As far as the entrepreneurs, are they realistic? Uh, as far as term
1: sheets, as far as I mean, it's a strange, strange time. So, most of the market has corrected. So the public markets are down seventy yeah. percent from their highs, uh, and the Series A and the Series B market on the whole are probably down thirty to forty percent. And you would expect some disconnect between the publics and the privates. There is one segment that is partying as if it's twenty twenty one which is the generative AI segment. No, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that segment, so like in the heyday of venture capital, we were investing in companies at 100, 200, 300, 500, 700 times their ARR, their annual recurring revenue. And you know, now the public market is kind of trading at like six to seven, just to kind of put in, there's 100x yeah. difference. And in gen AI, generative AI, th- in the last two or three weeks, there are 3 companies that I know of that have traded between 5 to 700 times ARR. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
0: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
1: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast.
0: You were managing director at Redpoint. I was. Uh, what's your relationship with that firm now?
1: It's great. I was just on the phone with uh, one, one of my former colleagues, and uh, it's been, we look forward to working together on a bunch of different investments. Obviously, you have a lot of kinship there.
0: You know, I'm, I'm sure everyone has mixed feelings about you know, moving off, even if it is to open your own shop. Um, were you confident that that was the right decision?
1: I'm uh, confident. I'm very happy I made that decision. I had a wonderful run, and 15 years is a good, good long time to work with a wonderful group of people. And now it's time for the next adventure.
0: Erica Brescia moved into your role. I've interviewed her in the past. She's great. She really is. Isn't She's a she? wonderful person. I'll pause here for a brief clip of an earlier Sand Hill Road interview with Erica Brescia who replaced Tomasz at Redpoint. Different venture capitalists have different like superpowers um or at least we hope they're superpowers and I think one of mine is um connecting with people, building relationships and and judging talent quite frankly.
1: She's a wonderful person. Uh, you know, her experience as a COO of GitHub, I think uh, it's a unique unique set of skills, and she's warm and friendly. She's <coughs> <It's> dire. <Yeah. laughs> I think she's got a gig.: <laughs> When you were there, uh, you took Looker from a
0: startup to a sale to Google for 2.6 billion. Uh, I mean, it sounds simplistic to say, what lesson did you learn? because that, there's a lot of lessons in there, but what did you take away from that?
1: Yeah, that was a really wonderful experience. There was a, the founder there, Lloyd, took a bet on me. There was this blog post that I think Finn Barnes wrote that asked, like, who took a bet on you in your career? And Lloyd took a bet on me. The big lesson there was going back to this idea of innovation equals invention plus distribution. I learned that lesson again there. So in 2012, cloud was growing really fast. The, the fastest growing cloud product was Redshift, which was a database. And the dominant BI vendor at the time was Tableau. And Tableau had been architected out of Stanford for smaller data sets to make them look beautiful but couldn't really handle the scale and so Lloyd and the Looker team had built a technology that was cloud native that allowed them to process cloud levels cloud size data and that architecture allowed so that was the innovation the core innovation is this technology called LookML that allows you to work with large scale data and the, business, the, the go-to-market advantage that, that created was we could partner with Snowflake. We could partner with Google's BigQuery. We could partner with other cloud databases. And the combination of those two, that partnering strategy, drove a huge amount of growth. And that's how we became the biggest in the category. Who have you taken a risk on?
0: I mean, obviously, as a venture capitalist, yeah, so good question. of them,
1: But who would say that about you? Well, I've been fortunate to work with lots of junior investment professionals at Redpoint. Um, and it's been a privilege to help coach and guide them. And many of them now are in wonderful places, either running their own firms or senior partners that are the firm. So I think, you know, I like to think that may be the case.
0: (laughs) Now, you mentioned a blog. You run a a very popular blog and and write for it a lot. Uh, There were 10 entries last month alone. Uh, What motivates you to want the world to know what's in your head? Boy,
1: that is a good question. I guess the way I approach it is, okay, So, the more founders I meet, the more I realize there are many different ways of building a startup. And the privilege of my job is that I get to watch that and I get to ask them questions about, okay, why did you do it this way and not that way? And the the perspective that I've, I hope that I've always brought and I hope that I always bring is sharing learning. So, it's not necessarily my thoughts, it's just, This is what I see in market. This is what makes it interesting. Let's look at some numbers to see, you know, like this. um, One of the recent ones was around generative AI, Mm -hmm. and the I had this I had this question that popped into my head, which was, will the personal computer have had a greater impact on GDP to the U.S. or will generative AI? And the answer stunned me. So Goldman actually went to answer this question, and they predict. And look, predictions are always very optimistic. That's all we got. But They predict something like a thousand Gen AI will have a thousand x more impact to GDP than the personal computer. Wow. and that's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's incredible. And so now it's like, okay, well, let's go and figure out what does that mean? What are all the different pieces in order to build a generative AI company? How do you take those new technologies and create go to market advantages And that's what I hope to share on the blog. I was talking with Chan Tang from uh,
0: Berkeley Skydeck a couple weeks ago and and he said, the thing that I think most people don't realize is in some cases, not all, but in some cases, we're not years away from something. We're months away from something. He's just, it's moving that
1: quickly. It is moving that. I mean, the, there's rumor, I mean, GPT-5 will come out, and it will be two orders of magnitude larger in terms of the number of neurons. And the Okay, so this, this was cool. So there was a paper coming out of Stanford. I mean, just to kind of make the ground this a little bit, there's a paper coming out of Stanford that talks about what are called emergent properties of these models. So if you're a human, so I'm a human, I will learn by reading a book. Right? I, I will look at, a, look at a book and read about the history of Rome, and I will learn about the history of Rome. I can also, so that's one way I learned, basically by memorization. The other way I can learn is swimming. So let's say I wanted mm. to learn how to swim. So I could pick up a book, and I, and I could learn all the mechanics about the freestyle, the breaststroke, But the breaststroke. you haven't learned to swim. You throw me into a pool, right. I'm going to drown. <laughs> right. And so I can only learn by doing. We had thought that most of these generative AI models, their learning was going to be constrained to just the first kind of learning, memorization about Rome. So in the last model, the GPT-4's LSAT score popped, right? And Mm -hmm. got to 80% of a human and all the AP exams got to levels of a human. But what we're starting to realize is the more queries, the more questions we feed, the more it's sort of learning as if it were swimming. It's learning by Mm -hmm. doing and improving. And that's the part that we have no idea how fast that will grow or what the downstream impacts will be. That's, I think, the really exciting part.
0: And we only know what it's learning when it tells us. I'm not, you know, saying that's suspicious or anything, but it's interesting that, you know, if we if we built a car engine, you and I, we could measure the horsepower, we could measure the efficiency, the the output, that kind of thing. Uh,
1: but with AI, we wouldn't necessarily know, know what it knew. We don't know it's impossible to look well, it's not possible, I won't say it's. It's not possible yet to look in the brain. And so there are some people that are trying to work on it. yeah because basically what we do, imagine you have a big dictionary and you the computer reads a dictionary, and then what it does is it between the dictionary entries, it's trying to find similarity. And so it uses a trigonometry function called a cosine function, so like the two sides of a triangle, and the closer those two sides are together the more related those are. So that's called a vector. And we store those vectors in a database. And when we ask a question to the computer, it looks up a bunch of stuff in the vector database and says, okay, here are like five or six words. Which are the two vectors that are most similar? Okay, let me do something useful with that. And those vectors are they're sort of stored in neurons, in, in the neurons of the brain. But you can't look at it inside of a neuron and say like, what do you have inside? Because it's a bunch of well, much like a code. human,
0: you don't know what I know until you ask. It. That's exactly right. You've been writing since uh, 2012 on that blog. Have you gone back and read anything of your older entries and thought to yourself, "Man, I was so ahead of my time," or "Oh my god, I should totally delete this." <laughs> 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 what was it? Was it called Quibi? Well, remember that oh, that video service? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you don't have a I, you don't have a blog entry that says Quibi is going to be huge. <laughs> I'm hitting. I'm sitting here with my Juicero, enjoying a Quibi um soylent for lunch yeah (laughs) (laughs) um anything you regret or anything you're like I'm amazing I can't believe I figured that out in 2012 no I don't
1: think I've ever seen anything that's amazing I do (laughs) great I do predictions every year and I grade them and I average about a 60 or 70% oh that's pretty good but you know there are definitely blog posts there that in the fullness of time are wrong sure and but I want to keep them there I want to keep them in the public domain because uh, again like it's it's about authenticity it's about showing like this is learning and I I, will, I mean, I'll I, the very is.
0: first, uh, we used to do a consumer television show, uh, it was in broadcast in several, several cities across the world. Uh, and the first time I think it was Motorola sent me a cell phone that had a one megapixel camera in it. Um, I said, I just don't understand the point of having a camera in a phone. Uh, because it, you know, I, 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 I could have predicted the the camera would have gotten better i just couldn't think of situations in which you would want to take a picture and then send it to someone other than i don't know you're at a garage sale and you send it to your wife like hey this dresser looks what do you think sort of thing absolutely this is before this is going to sound insane to anyone who's you know under 30 but this is before text messaging and i mean it was before we communicated everything with everyone yeah uh, and it was before we were taking pictures of our food. <laughs> um, but it is the the number one dumbest thing I've ever said as far as prediction
1: goes. It's so hard to anticipate these things. I mean, now it's a funny thing to call it a phone because yeah, yeah, you like, buy it based on the camera. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, a,
0: Oh, yeah. That's the first number they yeah, show off. But there's yeah, no there way to some, anticipate. There was some comedian talking about uh, that, you know, the least used app on your phone is phone. your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Tomas Tungus of Theory Ventures, who hopefully by now has found a bank. Next week on Sandhill Road.
1: My name is Vipul Sina, co-founder and CEO of Rubrik. My background is I'm an engineer-turned-venture capitalist-turned-entrepreneur.
0: Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.